Imagine if each morning when you wake up, you're smiling and looking forward to your day, knowing you are happy even while you're dealing with grief and loss. The Grief and Happiness Podcasts inspires, comforts, and supports you with each new episode. I'm Emily Zerothret, welcoming you to explore with me your life of endless possibilities. Aloha. I am so happy you're here today. You're really going to enjoy my guest, Mike Murphy. He's uh, kind of a phenomenal individual, has has done much, and I'm sure we're going to have a very interesting conversation. Uh, Aloha, Mike. Can you tell us a little bit about you? Well, thank you, Emily. It's great to be here. Well, I'm coming to you right now from Medellin, Colombia in South America, and I also have a home in California in the country of the United States. And I'm down here building a amazing transformational health retreat center for uh, people from our nonprofit that can come here for uh, on scholarship, and we also sell it to people. So that's my major project right now is building Mountains of Hope, a 16-day transformational health retreat. So super excited and blessed to be doing that right now. Prior to that, my whole adult career, I was an automobile dealer in the San Francisco Bay Area. Had a tragic experience 2011, which changed my entire life. And I went into philanthropy. I started writing books. And I'm really now committed to helping people to realize how the universe really works and how they can utilize that to become the best version for themselves and their family and their community. So that's my passion right now. Wow. That's such an incredible passion. And and uh, reading your book, I... I, you know, when I, I read, I usually highlight a lot and take notes and things. I did that so much with your book. <laughs> I just, I kept going, oh, that's, that's great. What a nice way to say that. Or that's a great thing. Or I got to remember that to share it with my people. So <laughs> it awesome. was uh, just, just beautifully written. I really got a lot out of it. And I would, uh, and of course, I've only read one of your books, but <laughs> I would like to read more because that one was, it was so inspiring to me. Thank you. You read the you read the very first one. So what happened was, uh, my wife Margot passed away in June of 2011, and it was such a first of all, she's such an amazing person. She's more like an angel than a human, and um, she was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 29. And she, at at the age of 37, the doctor said, you know, unfortunately, it spreads to the lining of your brain. If you do nothing, you have six weeks to live. If you treat it, you have six months to live. So I really just wanted to write a book about this beautiful, amazing person that, you know, for those six months, she fought like crazy to live another day and to get well and to beat the cancer. And every night she prepared to take that last breath. And I was blessed to be a witness to this amazing person going through all this and uh, it forever changed my life. But right after she passed, I met another 38-year-old woman, stage four breast cancer, that needed some help was moving from uh, Montana to San Francisco Bay Area looking for an oncologist, took her to Margo's oncologist and he ordered some tests. I went with this woman, Amanda, and she didn't have a husband. She didn't have the same resources we had. She didn't have the same insurance. She was a minority. And so I noticed they treated her differently. They either talked down to her overhead. I just felt uncomfortable. Right. Then I went back to my late wife's oncologist and he said, Amanda, the best protocol to extend your life are these three chemotherapies simultaneously. Unfortunately, your insurance will only pay for one. That's all I can give you. And honestly, I'm a, I was just blown away by this. I never waited that you needed money to get health care and to live and to have a chance of life. 
So I just said, hey, here's my credit card. You give her whatever it is she needs. And unbeknownst to me, that was the seed of what eventually came became the love for Margot Foundation. And for about four or five years, I worked with a couple hundred women providing financial grants while they went through cancer treatment. The theory being, you know, they don't have money to begin with. They lose their job and their expenses go up and there was no safety net. So I would jump in and I'd give them a thousand dollars a month for five months, get them through their treatment. Then they go back to work and everything, everybody wins, right? Unfortunately, in most cases, they get sicker and sicker and eventually die. And so it was just not sustainable. What I was doing wasn't a lot of support for it, giving cash to minority women that are dying of cancer. So, so I said, okay, what can I do now? And so for a while there, I bought water machines and juicing machine, water purifiers, juicing machines, vegetables. I'll strengthen their immune system. I'll teach them how to strengthen their immune system so the chemo, radiation, the surgeries don't harm them as much. Well, that wasn't sustainable either. I'm a car salesman and here I am. They think I'm their doctor now. So, so I came to Columbia and now we're doing this uh, unbelievable retreat center where we hopefully will teach people that everything they need to heal is within and at least we're going to physically detox their body. We're going to teach them how the mind works, rewire the neural pathways uh, so they're empowered instead of limiting beliefs, clear away any emotional wounds, hopefully have a great spiritual awakening and be on the way to healing themselves. That's that's the mission. That is so wonderful. That That's what's what we're missing in our health system now. Yeah, exactly right. It's it's like, you know, we need functional doctors to say, okay, there's the root cause. Let's work on that instead of putting a Band-Aid on a mortal wound or writing a prescription and hoping this particular drug, you know, and all drugs, everything comes from plants, okay? They've just found a way to get patents out of these plants, right? So, so we're taking a more natural approach and meditation and coffee enemas and, you know, energy work, plant medicines, all kinds. We're throwing everything but the kitchen sink at these folks so that they can learn to heal themselves. That's so wonderful. We've, I think, been conditioned so much to, for the medical model. I know I've, I've had two husbands die. And when, when the first one died, I was really kind of surprised because he was a very intelligent man. He was a philosophy professor, very, very, very intelligent uh, wrote a ethics book that is still used. He wrote it in 1975, and it's still used all over the world now. So he he was he was really brilliant, and his specialty was living and dying, facing uh, dying through living fully. Wow! And what, what was his name? What was his name? Jacques Thoreau. Jacques Thoreau. Because I have a dear friend, uh, Dale Borglum who was with my wife the last week of her life. And he was with Ram Dass in India with Maharaji and Stephen Levine. So, so I, I got exposed to all this great work of these people. You know, he constantly conscious dying or conscious living, but it's really healing through that death, making it a healing experience. So, Oh yeah. Very profound. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. Yeah, Ram Dass um, lived, well, not too far away from me. Yeah, I think, I think he. I think he passed. Not yeah, he died. Years, but yes, yeah. I actually saw him. So I was over there on your island, the beautiful island of Maui, at the Hyatt over there, Kanapali Beach, and it was Eckhart Tolle, Wayne Dyer, who walked there, who lived two doors down, and Ramdas, who you know had had a stroke and wasn't that good, but but he did sit behind me one day before he went on the stage the next day. So I got to speak with him. It was quite a treat. That's so cool. Yeah, I got to see him. We had an amazing event here. I 
I'm not sure everybody in the world heard about this, but we had a few years ago an occasion where we were all going about our day and all of a sudden we had this emergency thing that came on all our phones and television and everything. That you were there? there? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a drill. Those were the scary yeah, I words. Was, I think it was 2018 or 2019, yeah. right around. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was. And and it, it was just nuts. And we lived through that. And there's there's an organization here on the island called Doorway into Light. And Ram Das was on the, the board of directors for that. And so the, the year after that happened, they decided to have a big anniversary celebration of living, <laughs> not being blown away. <laughs> I get it. It was a very interesting morning. In fact, my wife and I were on our way to go zip lining, and we go, "Well, should we go? Why not? <laughs> what a way to go! Yeah, we might as well go out with a bang here." Yeah. Oh well, he it, Ram Dass, uh, it, he was very debilitated at that that point with a wheelchair and and had to you know people had to move for him, but he came to that event to speak. Good for him. And it was it was so amazing to be in his presence and see somebody. He was smiling, you know. It's he didn't care whether or not his body was all crumpled up, you know. He he was just in in good shape. But anyway, and and Wayne Dyer died like the month before I moved here. I I was I was looking forward to getting to meet Wayne Dyer when we got here too. But yeah, what a sweet man he was. Yeah, I've I've read a lot of his stuff. I I really admire him. But back to my husband is as bright as my husband was. He had been sick for two years, and just kept he he'd actually been dealing with health problems for a lot longer than that. He was a lot older than I am, and he was he, he was doing a, a new edition of that book because in with college textbooks every couple of years you have to freshen it up and make it current and he'd been having a really hard doing it because his his um, hands weren't working real well so I was helping him a lot with getting it done and we finally got it done this this one morning and it was the first time we got to submit it electronically so we sent it in and called his editor and we were all on the phone and celebrating and it was just great. And I I had a feeling he was holding out for that book to get done. I really, really thought that he was. And afterwards he said to me, I was just really kind of stunned. He said, am I going to get better? And I thought all this time you've been going through all these treatments and dialysis at that point and everything else, because you thought it was going to cure you or heal you. And we we'd never talked about that because it just it didn't dawn on me to have a conversation about that that he thought he was going to get better. Wow! And yeah. and I had to be truthful and I said no. And he uh, died about two uh, hours later. Wow! Well, that was very forthright of you. Very courageous. Very honest. I have a similar story, and I I just published a book uh, about a year ago called Living in Color, which chronicles the last six months of my wife's life. And we were flying back from MD Anderson and we had my youngest daughter with me who was about 20 at the time and we're flying home and it, you know, it, things were not going good and she was pretty ill and she looked at me and she said, is this it? Mm. And similar to what your husband said. And, and I was taken aback at first 
And I didn't know quite what to, how to respond. And then finally I said, well, I don't know if this is it or not, but let me tell you what I believe. I believe that, that life is like Disneyland. In Earth, this ex- physical experience we're having on Earth is just one of the many rides. And so when this ride's over, we're just going to go hop on another ride somewhere else. So, so whatever that means, that's what that means. But, you know, in my mind, you are eternal timeless consciousness and you may leave your body at some point, but it will never be it. You're eternal. So that's how we ended that. Wow. That what a, I love that way of explaining that. Yeah. It just came to me out of left field. We're on a plane. I'll never forget as long as I live, you know, it just popped in my head. Yeah, it's it's amazing how inspiration comes too when when you're dealing with those kinds well, of situations. And, what, and what's interesting, you know, we know she's terminal, right? But we never quit laughing. And when you, when people read the book, they always comment, "Well, there's so much humor in this book." Well, because that's how we lived our life. We made a conscious decision: we're going to live like you're going to beat this, and every night we're going to prepare for that last breath. Because guess what? You're going to take one. I'm going to take one. World. Let's get prepared now. You know, my friend Dale that I mentioned earlier that worked with Ram Dass and dying people, he said, hey, listen, we're all going to die. We just don't know when. So let's prepare. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because, I mean, one of the, my great blessings in life, I have no fear of death whatsoever. In fact, you know, I, I look forward to the experience. So, so it doesn't have any weight over me. You know what I mean? So that's a very freeing feeling that I have. Yeah, so uh, a book that Ram Dass wrote that really touched me was called Walking Each Other Home. And it was such a beautiful way to look at things. Yes. Th- yeah. That's that's what we're doing, you know. <laughs> what, was, what was interesting, he, he wrote in another book that, you know, Neem Karola Bobby was Maharaji, right? And that's what they were there studying at his feet because the guy was such a divine guru, right? And when Maharaj, in fact, Steve Jobs went over there in the early 70s before he was famous with Apple and all that to study under Maharaji. And he got there a little late. Maharaji had already passed away. But when Maharaji was dying at the end of his life, he went around with a big smile on his face telling everybody, I'm getting out of central jail pretty soon. Oh, wow. (laughs) And that resonates with me because I feel like I'm a spirit, I'm a soul, I'm eternal, I'm consciousness stuck in this animal body, right? So I could definitely relate to that, you know? And and I really believe since my late wife has passed that I've been out of my body and I've been in that vibrational frequency where she resonates now, right? And and I really believe that we go from an animal body, you know, we urinate, fornicate, defecate, but, but we're spirit, right? And I really believe when we get out of here, we go to a light body. And so we're not an animal body anymore. We're pure light energy. And we also communicate telepathically. So imagine that, you know, if I can read your mind, you can read my mind. There's, that gives no more lying, no more stealing, no more manipulating, just pure peace, love, and joy. So something to look forward to. Yes, yes, it is. I, I know with uh, Ron, my second husband who died, we lived really differently. And instead of in the, the intellectual realm, sort of that uh, I was with Jacques, with Ron, it was in the moment. Yeah. And whatever it was that was in the moment was was where we were. And yeah. his his last week, uh, up until his last week, he was sick. Yeah, he knew he was sick and he was going through physical things, but it, it never got to him. 
never yeah. got to him. And that last week was amazing. It it really just was an amazing thing. He he decided that he wanted to go on hospice on Monday and he was gone on, on Friday. And during wow. that week, anybody who wanted to come see him from the mainland all all came over. We had a ton of people here <laughs> sleeping on the floor and because nobody wanted to be too far away. And, and they were, were, they, were they coming to say goodbye? Uh-huh. They were coming to say goodbye. Yeah. They yeah, all came you? to say goodbye. And he wanted to say goodbye to everyone that couldn't be there. And fortunately, at that time, there was FaceTime. And yeah. so we just got a whole list of phone numbers. And he went through the list and got to face-to-face uh, electronically, but you know, still face-to-face, got to say goodbye to everybody he wanted to say goodbye to. Yeah, that was one of the things Dale had my wife Margo do. So everybody would come and say goodbye to her. It was so profound. I mean, I never would have dawned on this in a million years. You know, you come, I mean, because, you know, we come from a culture, oh, dying, scared, blah, 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 right? Especially when, you know, we were raised Catholic and all that. So it was so profound to have people come and say goodbye, have her say goodbye, clear up anything that needed to be clear up. And, and he said one more thing. He said, after she's gone, she's taking that last breath make her look really pretty and have everybody come say goodbye again. So that was another special moment, you know, and like my oldest daughter, for example, said, dad, I used to be so afraid of death, but I saw Margo. She was so peaceful. I'm not afraid. My niece and my nephew, they actually said, ask their parents to leave the room so they could say goodbye themselves. So, so, you know, we, we have to change our attitude towards that. It's just a transition. You're just taking off one pair of clothes and putting on another pair of clothes. You know, it's, 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 (laughs) It's not that bad. That's that's what Ron always called it. He, he was transitioning, and yeah, and yeah. that's that's so much gentler than saying he died. So let me ask you because I see your book there, and I, for me, okay, see, as the as the one left behind, I always say dying is easy, being left behind is hard, right? And for me, you know, I mean, it's obvious she's dying, right? But you always think you have one more day until you don't. And man, let me tell you, the grief hit me so hard. So, you know, and I, I had grief counselors and I'm doing all this grief work and I see your book there. So what was what was grief like for you? I'm curious. Well, after Shock died, I just felt kind of empty. I just I it was like the world wasn't whole anymore. I couldn't relate right. to it. And then after Ron died, because we had lived so differently, having learned to live in the moment, that I was better. But I found myself really searching for what my purpose was then. Yeah. Because we'd moved here two years before he died because he wanted to be here. He'd lived here a long time before I knew him. And we'd visited many times. And he'd lived here like 30 years before we moved here. And he still had friends here from then. the. The aloha spirit is real. And the ohana, the word for family, I've got such a big ohana here with all these people that I never had anything like that on the mainland. It's It's yeah. been just just amazing. So it was better, but I was I found myself searching. And the, the more I searched, the more I realized I wanted to help other people. And I'm I'm a writer. I've written college textbooks. I I taught writing for many many years, and this this actually is my last semester teaching, uh, after all these these years, because I'm so involved in all this other stuff. There's only so many balls I can keep in the air at once. But 
because I was finding ways to write that really helped me, I thought I can help other people in a different way to deal with their grief. And so I started having groups come over to my house and, and we'd write and then we'd talk about what we wrote. And that went on and developed. And one of his really dear friends from the mainland, who was much younger than he was, just about six months after Ron transitioned, he dropped dead, the, his friend. And his, they were family friends, and they lived not too far from us. And he had a, a wife and, and a daughter in high school, a daughter in college. And I thought his wife is not going to have any idea what she needs to think about right now. And so I wrote to her, and she, I was able to get it to her within a few hours after he died because it just, just poured out of me when I heard the things that she needed to think about right then and the things she didn't need to think about. Right. And that was right. just what came to me that that I needed to do. And and that evolved into me writing her a card. I made a pretty card with a picture of uh, different pictures from Maui that I had taken on each one for a year, every week. So I sent her 52 cards. And in the process of writing those, I thought, I've got a, a outline for a book. And so right. that's that's where the book came from. Yeah, that's powerful because... That kind of work is so profound because you're blessing that person's because, you know, if, if we're not prepared for grief, I mean, it's devastating. It's overwhelming. I mean, I literally, I couldn't get out of bed for a long time. Me neither. I, I couldn't function. You know, it's so surreal. And one thing that really helped me is I went to this one particular grief counselor. And I'm, I know you're familiar with Elizabeth Kubler. Oh, yeah. And the five stages of grief, right? And whatever they are, anger, blah, 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 sadness, blah, blah, blah. But what she told me is, is Mike, listen, you don't go through anger and never revisit again. It's, it's not, it's not linear. It's a spiral. Okay. You might, you might have no anger today and boom, tomorrow. You may have no sadness today and boom, tomorrow. You have to understand. And so what I've learned over time is that I tell people all the time, listen, your life will never be the same again. And you will never be the same again. It's impossible. You're a completely different person because of this experience. But if you go through it and you do it soberly and you do it with intention and, and you feel it, you, you don't escape it, you don't run from it, you don't medicate against it, and you go through it, you will evolve into a bigger, better, more loving person for sure. And because it, yes. because it's such a profound effect, but going to a movie will never be the same. Christmas will never be the same. That, that birthdays will never be the same, but that's okay. Cause they can get better because you're going to get better. And that's the message. I think, you know, I never would have dreamt that in the first couple of years. I would have said, Hey, my life is over. Right. But over time. And, and if you go through this, you know, especially a lot of guys, you know, we want to go and get remarried right away. And we want to, you know, escape this pain. And we're not good at being alone to begin with. Women are much stronger than men. So what I learned through all this is go through it. And then that big hole in my heart, will gradually get filled in with love and that scar tissue will be made of love. Some people get better, some people become bitter. So in my case, I was lucky to get better through this experience, but it was extremely painful, as you know. Yeah, it, it is It is very painful and it is an experience that you do have to go through. There's no getting around it or ignoring no it. No running from it. No. It's not going away. And, and I don't even think you can medicate yourself. No. I'm, sure there were, I'm sure there were nights I tried, but... You know, you got to, you just got to suck it up and go through it, unfortunately. 
Yeah, that just delays it when you, when you do something like yeah. that. And what I discovered that that has helped me more than anything, I I read of actually after uh, Jacques died. I had friends, different friends. It was right around when the movie The Secret came out. And they said, you got to watch this movie. And I said, no, (laughs) not Uh my thing. You know, and they said, no, really, really watch it. And finally, I had so many different people. It was like there must be a reason that everybody's telling me. So I watched it. And I... I learned a lot from it. The big thing that I learned from it was being grateful and and starting doing a gratitude list every day really changed my life. But the really cool thing from it is that Marcy Shymoff was one of the people in the movie. And I'd never heard of her before. didn't know who she was. But I ran across a book of hers called Happy for No Reason. And I read that. And I thought, I got to do this. (laughs) I got to pay attention to her message here that I, I can do this. And then after Ron died and I had written this book, I decided I wanted to do more, but I couldn't quite figure out what it was. And it dawned on me that it was happiness because of that book that I'd read. Wow. And I right when when I realized that, online pops up this Happy for No Reason certified training program. I thought, well, that's the confirmation. <laughs> so <laughs> I did that program and now... Marcy, my my new book that's coming out uh, very soon, Marcy wrote the foreword for. Oh, we, we've gotten to, you know, really gotten in touch. And she really likes what I've done with, with her happiness work that's hel- helping everything else. And I just, I I love doing that to show people that, yeah, you, you grieve and, and yeah, you go through it. But that doesn't mean for the rest of your life, you can't be happy. Yeah, you just made me remember something. She wrote a little bit for my book, Love Unfiltered. Oh, cool. Hold it up. So she's a very sweet lady. So yeah, congratulations. Yeah, she she's great. And the the people I I love the work I'm doing with with the, the next book is is called the Grief and Happiness Handbook. So perfect. Yeah, and it's it's really good. And we've we've developed not only a grief and happiness podcast, but um, the Grief and Happiness Alliance and nonprofit organization, where we have uh, meetings on Zoom every week, and we do writing and and we talk about our writing together, and we learn happiness practices. And the nonprofit organization funds it all so that people um, don't have to pay to be comforted in their grief. What a super blessing! Thank you for doing that. That's beautiful. Oh, it's it's made my world for me with with all this. People say, how how can you smile after you've had two husbands die? And I honestly can say I'm happier now than I ever have been. Amen. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Well, <laughs> so, you, and you bring up a really important point. Something I talk about all the time. In fact, one of my journaling exercises is is very simple. So I start the day, you know, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for my life. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for my business. Whatever I'm feeling gratitude for that in that moment, I just write it down. It's a it's a prayer. It's I journal like a prayer, right? And then step number two is, okay, Heavenly Father, please give me wisdom. What should I do about this? What about this kid? What about this problem? What about this challenge? What about this career? What about this move? What about that? So I'm asking for wisdom from the creator of all, right? Two heads are better than one. And he's a lot more powerful, or she, or it, or what, is a lot more powerful than me, right? So, and more importantly, it's the process of writing it down. 
and asking questions and answers show up. It's, it's the way the universe works. And then I just end in love. And then what I've started doing the last few years is I'll just set a personal development intention for the day. Like today, please help me to be more conscious and aware in the present moment all the time. Please help me not to swear today. Please help me, you know, I'll set some sort of intention so that I can review it at the end of the day. But the real power is in the gratitude and then asking for help and asking for wisdom. It's been amazing. It's fascinating that your your journaling practice is so similar to mine. I I, I do the the same sort of thing. The the one difference is that I I end it, of course, I end it last with gratitude. Um, and, but be, before that, the the last thing I write in in the the rest of the content is, is something that brought me joy the day before. There you go. Perfect. Just to to remind me, you know, and I can always if I start getting down about anything, which I really don't anymore, <laughs> but I can just pick it up and go look at all these things that I'm happy about and all these wonderful things that that happened to me and through me, and it, it's really neat to to actually record that 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 it helps me keep this happiness up all the time. Fantastic. So, wow. Well, this has been absolutely fabulous talking to you. <laughs> I think we could probably talk all day long. We've got a, a lot of uh, things in common with our, our thinking. And I know people are going to want to know more about you. And we'll have you, your links and uh, your, your books and everything in, in our show notes afterwards. And I'm, I'm so interested in this retreat center you're building. I just... I think that that's so important. It's it's the sort of thing that I I want to find places to go where I can. I, I did a retreat actually at uh, Unity Village in Missouri last fall. They wanted to, uh, to do a grief retreat to to open the village back up after the pandemic, and it was their, their first big thing okay. that they did. And it it was uh, well, it was really cool. The first week is all physical detox, and then we get in a lot of education, why you're doing these things, why we do an infrared sauna, why we do a coffee enema. So because I find that knowledge is power, and when people understand why they're doing these things for their body, it's easier to do, it's more efficient. The next week, we move into consciousness, like we study the work of Dr. Bruce Lipton, Dr. Joe Dispenza, Byron Katie. We get oh, yeah. into sacred, sacred plant medicine ceremonies. Okay, well, thank you very much, and I'll see my listeners again next time. So thanks for listening. Do you want more comfort, support, and happiness? Join the Grief and Happiness Alliance. Visit my website at lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com and read my book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate it, review it, and binge on all our episodes on grief and happiness. I can't wait to welcome you back to another episode.